This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! playoff contender and Dan Weeder and you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers I just don't know what fantasy land that is we're going to take the north and never give it back Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Hoff from 670 The Score and the Mullen Haas Show. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune, joining us, talking more about the Bears' offseason responsibilities, to-do list, obligations, however you want to describe it. We are at the beginning of a very significant offseason, and we are at the stage, Dan, before we start getting into much activity because the Bears are one of the 28 teams watching uh, championship weekend over this coming weekend on Sunday that they are there's not much to do except for to plan to process and in our case to kind of evaluate where they are where they're headed and analyze some of the decisions that are about to be made and who in this case today who will be making them well, look, as we've talked about, this is going to be a landmark offseason for the Chicago Bears. This is going to be a true test for Ryan Poles to see what his roster building vision is and how much he can get done in one offseason with a plan that he has consistently emphasized needs to require patience and discipline. And so we look at this, David, and we are uh, as this episode launches, we're 90 days out from the NFL draft. We're 45 days out from the start of the free agency negotiating period. And so those are uh, uh, still a long way off. They still give the Bears a lot of time to plan for things, but they're going to get on us really quickly. And when March 13 rolls around and we've got that, that, that opening of the negotiating period two days before the new league year starts, things are going to get hot and hectic really quickly. And the Bears better be prepared. They better have a plan and they better have a plan A, B, C, D, E, because that's what the offseason is all about. 
So we're dropping this Take the North podcast on Friday morning. You can get it on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow along if you want to watch us talk to each other and break down the Bears on the 670 The Score YouTube page and the Odyssey's YouTube page as well. And Dan, I think let's start with Here's what I wanted to go about it, because every step along the way, we're going to stop and evaluate exactly, you know, the decisions that are made and why they might be making them. Let's start by looking at Ryan Poles and the degree of, I guess, confidence or faith, or maybe you go the other way, that skepticism and doubt. You could go either way with Ryan Poles. One year on the job, there isn't a large body of work, and I don't know how one relates to the other. But you're going to be seeing mock drafts, which suggests the Bears trade to whoever. You're going to be seeing projections in free agency. Hey, he should spend $14 million on Saquon Barkley for a salary. Some talk radio. Yeah, that guy is really, really getting aggressive with that train exactly. of thought. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know but who he's that really, could be. He's really hammering it. All of those suggestions and all of those possibilities, they're going to revolve around the judgment and the wisdom and – what Ryan Poles overall will do. So I think we should have a discussion about what we think Ryan Poles will rely upon and based on history or just what we see when we start to evaluate the first-year general manager. So a couple things to this. Number one, it is a leap of faith for Bears fans to put their trust in Ryan Poles here because there's just not enough of a, a body of work or a big enough sample size at this time to know just how successful he is and can be in this role. That's not to say he can't be trusted. It just takes a leap of faith to have that confidence that he's going to take this number one pick, that he's going to take this hundred, you know, 15 plus million dollars in cap space. And he's going to do all sorts of things that bolster this roster and put the bears in a position to do what his ultimate vision is, which is to sustain success. I can't say this enough that Ryan Poles has been so consistent with his vision of understanding that, that this is not a one-year fix and that he's not aiming for a one-year fix, that he wants to get to a period, as we've talked about many times on this show, where the Bears go through a, a run of, of 10 years where they are consistently relevant in the championship conversation. Later in the podcast, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of data on that that I think is going to open your eyes and, 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 and give you an idea of, of exactly the mountain that they're at the base of trying to climb. But, David, I also looked back, and I'll give you some of this in a minute, to, to a, a story I did last offseason as Ryan Poles was entering his first full season uh, as the general manager of the Chicago Bears to get a little better feel of, of his his philosophies uh, and his stance and, and to, to remember some of the things he said during the spring and summer of 2022 that are relevant to 2023. We can get to that in a minute, but obviously I think you know that, that, that this, this push for sustainability is the biggest thing that's going on inside Hales Hall right now and the biggest thing that they've got to address. you got to break through. I think before you sustain, sustain success, you've got to achieve some. you got to break through. The Bears are one of six NFL teams that haven't won a playoff game in a decade. So I think you want to start there. How do you get there? Well, a lot of these decisions are going to, uh, number one, determine how long you wait to get back to the playoffs, and secondly, how long you'll stay there. So you want to you want to put all of that in front of Ryan Poles and say, yeah, okay, answer these questions, but it, it's a very long list. I, I want to start with maybe th there's some data out there, but th I want to explain the origin of why I, I feel felt somewhat triggered to go in this direction because in the past week, as these mock drafts start to uh, fill our <laughs> and, and whatever the case may be, or uh, we start to read them, internalize them, there's a range here. And, and I want to like 
last week we talked about uh, Dane Brugler, um, the NFL draft Bible, I believe, or no, from the athletic, excuse me. Dane Brugler's from the athletic talked about the Colts giving up, uh, swapping positions with the bears at number four and giving up a uh, first round pick next year and the 35th overall pick this year. And that was to move up three spots, which I felt like, well, maybe that's not enough. I don't know if I would take that or not, but I think it was a, a reasonable uh, yeah. trade proposal based on people who were around the league. And then Dan on Thursday, I saw CBS sports line with a box draft that had the Raiders moving up from seven to one with the bears moving up six spots and when you get done with going through the laundry list of players are giving up seven bodies, they're going to give up seven players for to move up six spots. Besides swapping spots, the proposal on CBS Sportsline was <laughs> a second, third, and fifth this year. That's three. A first and third next year. That's five. And a first and fourth in 2025. And I made this comment on the radio, on the Mullen Haw Show daily, 5.30 to 10. Thanks for listening. But I said, if Ryan Poles pulls that off, he's the front runner for executive of the year. Nobody would ever offer that, and you'd be a fool not to take that. Well, and listen, like we're going to have to sift through a lot of fantasy land proposals here that are just concocted in some some weird lab of, of social media driven excitement. You know, the only way you get engagement these days, particularly in an off season where there's nothing real happening for another 45 days is to drum up something that makes people go, Holy cow. And so there's going to be a lot of Holy cow mock drafts that we're going to have to look at a, ho- a lot of Holy cow trades that the bears pulled off, you know, to, 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 to bolster their roster. But listen, if they can get that and they can be picking from other teams, first round arsenal for three years, then Pull the trigger in a heartbeat. This, you know, this, this isn't like this isn't like Grabowski.com. I mean, this is not like meatballbearfan.com or whatever. This is CBS Sportsline. That's who, what I mean. Is like who was the generator of that? Do you know? Uh, like the, I, don't, I don't know him. I will try to find that before the end of the pod. But it was something that caught my eye because of the imbalance yeah. of the trade proposal. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but look, I think we're both in agreement that if if you if you feel like there's not a player at number one that is a must-have guy and is an absolute no doubt long-term difference-making starter for your program, then you listen to trade possibilities and you listen to as many trade possibilities as anyone's willing to offer. Ryan Poles and, and the Bears, you know, front office and coaching staff is going to hit the road here. They're going to be bouncing around between the, the, the senior bowl and the East-West Shrine game. And then next month at the Combine, there's going to be an opportunity to talk to people all across the league and they will have a much greater pulse on what the trade market actually is for that number one pick. And they'll be able to make sound practical decisions on what makes sense for the building of their roster. The one thing you can't lose is the fact that the bears have to add difference making talent to this roster. The more swings you have, the better your chances are of hitting that. But you also want to make sure that as you move around the board, that you're moving to levels that you're comfortable with, you know, and we've talked about previously, there's going to be a floor of where the bears are willing to go to, um, you know, to, to, to still feel like they're going to get something meaningful out of the draft. Um, look <laughs> again, this is going to be a long stretch 
stretch of time with with you know seven plus weeks before free agency and then another seven plus weeks beyond that until the draft starts of a lot of different speculative uh, possibilities that are out there. You know me, I'm a, I'm a May first guy. Give me to May first. Let me see what the roster looks like, and then and then let's break it down from there when all the hypotheticals are in, in the rear view. Okay, so I introduced a couple. Um, <laughs> I'm happy. I mean, look, we've got to we've got to talk about something, right? And and, and these are good. But this is what people are are I think uh, we're separating. We're trying to do, we're the filter, right? We're trying to separate what you should believe in and what maybe you shouldn't. Now, besides introducing that, you have some actual information data that you think is worth analyzing so i will let you introduce that because i'm done with my hypotheticals of for this pot at least before we get to the data i'm going to give you a couple things that i i I pulled out of the story i wrote um last off season about ryan poles just to give you a better feel for kind of his mindset and i'm going to read you a couple quotes a couple from ryan poles and then and then one from bill polian who obviously was instrumental in the hiring of ryan poles it just kind of reset the vision Right. I think that's important to do. Um, This is from Ryan Poles last year at the owners meetings in March. He said, listen, I always want to be at the pinnacle that I just left in Kansas City. But I also have to remember that there's a right way of doing things to get to that point. That's been challenging for sure. Again, that speaks to the balance of patience and urgency. This is also Ryan Poles, which I love because this is this is I, I think something that speaks to the arrival of Kevin Warren. It speaks to why the union between those two men is going to be as powerful it is as it is. This is Ryan Poles speaking last offseason. You can never feel comfortable. You have to always try to improve. You have to always keep tweaking and adjusting. You don't have to make the atmosphere stiff in the facility, but there always has to be a sense of urgency to get better. It's far more difficult to sustain excellence at the top than it is to climb to that point. When you have success, naturally as human beings, we relax. And I think sometimes with that relaxation in football, that's when the rest of the league jumps up and gets you. And here's a good one. You have to have that feeling that something is chasing you all the time and you have to keep running and keep improving. I feel like we just started that race, but we're always going to feel like we're being chased. I love that mindset for a guy who was coming into the GM's role for the first uh, time in the first offseason. And it's something that I, I think is inside of Ryan Poles' DNA. And it's that urgency and that feeling like you're always being chased and he understands that in Kansas City that getting to that that point where you're like okay we are a legitimate championship contender was difficult and then it was three times as difficult to stay there and we bring that up now because guess what David the Kansas City Chiefs are in conference championship Sunday for the fifth consecutive year and I can't stress that enough because that's an experience that Ryan Poles was a part of for four of those seasons that tells him okay that feeling right it's real and it's warranted that feeling of always feeling like you're being chased. Do you think that his experience in Kansas city will influence him in other ways? He may have that. uh, It may have left an impression on how you react and instinctively how you shape uh, your agenda or how you respond to um, trade offers, you know, the mentality. I think the mentality is one thing. I also think that there's a practical approach to, team building that is beyond the the philosophical and also gets to be very much what you have to do, not maybe what you want to do. And I wonder how he balances those. This is a guy that when he got, when he got the job, yeah, we had the chief's pedigree, but he also, well, he's an offensive lineman, you know, he's an offensive lineman and that's going to shape his uh, perception, how he does his job. And the first guy he hires to be his assistant, well, he's a former offensive lineman. So he's going to be that kind of guy. Do you think anything about his, football maybe playing past uh is going to 
factor into what what he thinks about you know what to do with an, a, a high pick um, as much as it, what his experience with the Chiefs might dictate. Maybe not what to do with the high pick, but I can tell you the two Super Bowl experiences that is that Ryan Poles had were they shaped him in a certain way. They had a, a profound impact on him. Obviously you win the Super Bowl with the chiefs and you get to experience that parade. And that's something that he's talked about with goosebumps on his arms, just talking about getting on those double decker buses to go be part of a Super Bowl parade in Kansas city and saying that it takes your breath away to be part of that and understanding that that is the ultimate thing that you're, you're trying to achieve. Well, then they come back a couple of years later and they lose in the Super Bowl uh, in that game in Tampa, right? They lose to the, the, the bucks because they couldn't protect Patrick. Mahomes, who was a mess throughout a Super Bowl that, that that they went into feeling like, okay, we're positioned to win a second one. We've got a chance here to add to our ring collection. And then you leave that stadium that night going, oh my God, our offensive line was beat up. We didn't have the depth. We didn't have the talent we needed up front. And our, uh, you know, otherworldly quarterback never had a chance to do otherworldly things on the game's biggest stage. And so Ryan Poles has talked subtly and he's talked directly about that loss and understanding that, okay, we got to make sure that in front of our quarterback, we've got a fortification of an offensive line that allows him to be at his best for the maximum amount of time. So I think that is something that is going to shape his approach in this offseason as they try to do, as we've talked about forever, solidifying that group in front of Justin Fields and solidifying that group uh, for a long time to come in a way that, that makes you feel comfortable. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I think it is overstated how someone's previous stop as an assistant dictates the decision sure. you make as the head person. And and I, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case here, but I also look at the Chiefs and you can you know kind of cherry pick your examples. And I look at, uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes changed everything about the Chiefs but the offensive line mentality, building from the ball on out, you know, the Chiefs haven't had a lot of stability on their offensive line. They've had a lot of success offensively because their weapons have maybe overcome that deficiency up front. But when I look at building a football team, yeah, who doesn't want to be the Chiefs? But they got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. And they had all those weapons and they've got, you know, they had some playmakers on defense, but their defense has been iffy at times throughout this this run that they're on. So I guess from a traditional standpoint, if I'm watching the way the bears should be approaching this off season, I don't know that I want to, I don't know saying that, you know, he's going to copy and really lean on his experience with the chiefs would get me as excited because I think that almost is, it's very impossible to duplicate. Show me the Eagles. That, that to me would be the copycat out of this, uh, final four is that, you know, give me the Eagles example. Let me start at the ball, move on out, solidify both lines. Oh yeah. I need a wide receiver. I'll give up some draft capital. Give me that guy. Oh, our quarterback, he can do a lot of things. He's not, he's not prototypical, but we can win with him because intangibles and he does something special. So I, I, I don't, I don't know that I want to like put too much into this idea. Like, well, Ryan Poles came from the chiefs. And the Bears are going to do what they did because I don't believe that. I don't really believe they can. I'm not saying it's a step-by-step manual that he's taking from Kansas City. Oh, but I'm saying I he's know. going to pluck and pick and, and, and yeah. choose things from within his experience that help uh, inform the way he's going. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. This leads me to the Bill Polian quote that I just talked about a minute ago. And this is what he said about Ryan Poles' experience in Kansas City and why it, it made an uh, impression on him when they went through the interview process, first via Zoom, then uh, he turned it over, I think, to George and Ted. He said, um, talking about Ryan's experience in Kansas City, he said, from that, you know, A, what it takes to climb the mountain. B, you know what it, that, it, what, that it can be achieved. C, you know how you've achieved it somewhere else. And D, you recognize all that you have to do in order to achieve, in order to achieve that, and it can't be done overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Bears fans need to recognize that. He went on to say, neither Ryan nor Matt Eberflus are going to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden everything is going to change at Hellas Hall. This team needs an infusion of talent. It needs for Justin Fields to grow and develop, and it needs to learn how to play in new systems offensively and defensively. Again, this is back in the offseason of 2022, but that's the the, the guy who was kind of the, the engine of your search for a new GM telling you why Poles' experience in Kansas City resonated with him a Hall of Fame executive who, who had success at multiple stops in his career, uh, just something to, to, to stow away in the back of your mind as, as we go into this. Now, do you want to get into this? For those following on YouTube, I've got my color-coded sheet of paper here about NFL relevance that we can get into whenever you're ready, unless you have some thoughts on, on what Bill Polian had to say. I have one more thought on what Bill Polian said and Ryan Poles, and then we'll get to your, your stack of papers. I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that... That seems sarcastic. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, I think when, when Ryan Poles took the job, he must have been very honest about what he was going to do because Bill Polian's words after the fact, or maybe even just leading it... His approach must have been very honest and transparent, like, hey, guys, we're going to tear this down. Hey, guys, we're going to you're going to have to believe in me before I've given you reason really to believe in me. And I think that was part of it. And then we have seen that happen because I think if you brought in somebody else, you would be typically looking at uh, their past trades and what they did in in terms of dealing, uh, you know, dealing in the draft in commodities. So, you know, let's, let's look at Khalil Mack. The four, one of the first big moves that Ryan Poles made was trading Khalil Mack to the Chargers. What did they get back for Khalil Mack? A second rounder and a sixth rounder? Well, does that, should we be looking more at that kind of ex- example for Ryan Poles rather than a lot of this rhetoric? Should we be looking at what was real when he was actually dealing with other general managers and bartering and negotiating and getting the best he could for players he had to unload or getting the best he could for the bears moving forward in their future was, was a second and a sixth enough for Khalil Mack, even though everybody knew he was trying to unload him. Well, right. And then you've got to turn those, those picks into something. And that's the key. It's all, it's one thing again, to accumulate picks, but then you've got to be a mastermind in the draft at using those picks in a way that gets you productive players that help you become a successful football team. You know, so, so what, what you just brought up here, I think leads us back into the, the original question you asked, which is how much confidence do you have in Ryan Poles after one year on the job? I think uh, Wednesday of this week was his one year anniversary since being introduced at Hellas or at least being hired. And so now we've got, 
got a year's worth of work to kind of do a performance review on. That used to be Ted Phillips' job. It's now Kevin Warren's. He's going to go through this list and see, okay, all right, let's start with the biggest decision you've made to your in, in your time on the job, and it was the hiring of the head coach. Well, how excited are you, David Hall, about the hiring of Matt Eberflus after one year? I mean, just like generally, how, how excited are you? Well, I do like Matt Eberflus. I don't think he was given a fair – shot in terms of that wasn't an NFL roster that he was trying to coax into uh, a victory every Sunday. I, I don't like the comparisons to Brian Dable, who did what he did with the Giants, Doug Peterson, who did what he did with the Jaguars. I don't know that um, either guy would have had success in Chicago in his first year. So I don't like the incomplete, but we talked about Flucy last time on the pod in terms of evaluating him. It's somewhat incomplete because I don't know that we've seen what he can do when he does have talent. He's a defensive minded head coach. But as far as a first move for Ryan Poles, I think it probably reflects well on him because he hired somebody who had what he doesn't. He didn't have head coaching experience, but he certainly had NFL experience. And I think that it was a good compliment for him. So here, let's do this. Like, say you, you say you're going into this offseason with a, a half tank of confidence in, in, in Ryan Poles. We're just giving him a half tank of confidence yeah. because that's just the benefit of the doubt that he gets as a, a first timer. Does the hiring of Flus move your, your fuel? Yeah, I think it up? increases. I think, I think it's probably, you know, uh, if not slightly quarter six tenths. Oh, yeah, wow. all right. You're going, oh. you're going up there. All right. So, so then we go to free agency, right? And you look mm -hmm. at what he did in free agency last year. That starts with signing Larry Ogunjobi and then rescinding the contract after a fail, failed physical. Um, you've got guys like Lucas Patrick, Byron Pringle, Justin Jones, Nick Morrow, Alquadine Muhammad, and Equinemia St. Brown to assess. How much did free agency fill your tank? My, from my engine's sputtering. I'm, I'm pulling over and I'm trying to get some <laughs> of that gas cleaner they get at the gas station for $5.99 and seeing if my gas can get cleaner and my engine will work better because those were bad decisions. Yeah. And then, you know, the, your lower tier guys in free agency, Kari Blasingame, Ryan Griffin, Mike Pennell, Dante Pettis, then right before training camp, Riley Reef, Michael Schofield, uh, Trevor Simeon was, was, was signed in that world. All right. The draft. 11-man draft class. They wheeled and dealed during draft weekend in 2022, and this is the 11-man draft class they came up with. Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Valus Jones, Braxton Jones, Dominique Robinson, Zachary Thomas, Tristan Ebner, Doug Kramer, Jatari Carter, Elijah Hicks, Trenton Gill. Is your tank filling up a little, a lot, overall, not at all? Overall, overall, I think we're back to a half tank. I think we're back to a half tank. I think the, the misses or the disappointment in free agency could be – compensated or or leveled off by some of the positives about the draft. Now, it's very early to draw any conclusions on a guy like uh, Braxton Jones, for instance. You like what you see. You'd like to see more. Uh, same with Kyler Gordon and I think yep. Jaquan Brisker to a lesser degree. But there are players you can envision being Chicago Bears for a while and being good players for a while. I think you have to go in I don't know what your next uh, level is, but Jack Sanborn has to be thrown into that mix, and he was probably the most surprising rookie. So that evaluation also reflects well on Ryan Poles' ability to find players. And so while I'm not thrilled with the free agent results, I'm encouraged by the draft results. Major subtractions. Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. Those are three three guys that were part of your roster that you inherited. They're not here. You got different uh, compensation back in, in three different trades. How do you feel about those trades? I understand why they got rid of Khalil Mack, I suppose. I wanted more for him in return, but I guess that if you go into this wanting to tear it down, it starts with the salary cap and you have to shed it 
and training Khalil Mack with a salary dump. Robert Quinn, same deal. I wish they would have done it on draft night. I've said it before. I think they could have gotten more for Robert Quinn. If they were going to unload him at the deadline, they should have done it on the draft night when teams are more desperate to give up draft picks that you needed to multiply. You know how I feel about Rogquan Smith. I don't think you get any better as a franchise by letting 25-year-old Pro Bowl talent, all pro talent this year, walk out the door. Chase Claypool trade. I'm still thinking that that could work. I'm not one who I, – I don't fault Ryan Poles for making the Chase Claypool trade because I understand why he did it to get in front of the free agent class. I know it was a high price, but I'm also counting on the fact that if all this losing continues to happen, we're going to have a high pick – and I might be able to use that to, to multiply more picks. I want a 1A receiver. I want to upgrade at the position. Chase Claypool still gives you that hope that you can do that. I'm never going to knock a guy for low-risk, high-reward dice rolls, but Nikhil Harry and Alex Leatherwood are two guys that arrived with people going, oh, first-round talents, first-round talents. They can be reclamation projects here. They're obviously not, and they're not part of the Bears' long-term plan. So that's all part of that. Look, so it's it just, it, for, for me, you go through all those things, the hiring of the coach, free agency, the draft, trades, all those different things, and you say, yeah, like this is a huge, huge offseason for Ryan Poles to tell us who he is. It's a huge, huge offseason to evaluate at this time next year and go, man, he really pushed the Bears closer to being a team that could not only be competitive in 2023, but can be a contender in 24, 25, and beyond. Because that's what we're aiming at, right? And that's that's that feeling of always being chased that he has. It's to be that consistent contender. And let me go back to the free agent conversation briefly and, and, and bring it into what, where we are now a year later. The Larry Ogunjobi thing was maybe something that you wonder, could it have happened to anybody? Could it happen to every team? Whatever, maybe. Look, but it's like Carlos Correa, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> may, may, Maybe, maybe. You're right, but it happened to a first-time rookie general manager, and he allowed it to happen. Ryan Bates, same deal. Made him an offer. The Bills matched it. Was the contract structured in a way that was – you know, the best possible way for the best, maybe. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Here's the thing where I'm going with this. Those things reflected an inexperience that may have or may not be fair in, in saying that that was part of this. And Ryan Poles was the first time GM and maybe inexperience led to those misses in free agency. This time around, that's where I think, and this might be naive, I acknowledge that, but I think Kevin Warren coming aboard providing that leadership, providing that wisdom, making sure that the guy reporting directly to him doesn't make these kind of misreads. They may not be mistakes. They may be misreads that you anticipate everything before it happens, that you anticipate every negative outcome and you address things before you get to that point. That's where I think it's hard to quantify the leadership that Kevin Warren brings to Hallis Hall and the oversight that he provides a general manager like Ryan Poles. I, I'm 100% with you, maybe 200% with you on that topic. And I think some of those contributions will never be seen. They will never be tangible. They will just be guidance and direction behind the scenes that will never be able to be like, oh, that has Kevin Fing- Warren's fingerprints all over it. But Ryan Poles will know and he'll, and collectively they'll understand that there's a synergy and a, and a, and a push you know, that, that, that is making this team better. And ultimately the goal is for this team to be better and this team to become something that is actually relevant. Well, let's just go practical uh, application for one example, which I think makes our point. Khalil Mack and the Chargers. Okay, the Chargers are interested. They want to offer a, a second and a sixth for Khalil Mack. This is a year ago. And, and, and Ryan Poles has that offer in front of him. Well, wh- where does he go back and take it? 
George and Ted? I mean, okay, right. guys. I got a second. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, he's, t- he's taking it to Ian Cunningham, and 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 they're they're you know, but like I'm I'm with you that you but, that, you know the boss who has to sign off on them. What do you think? I'm like, I mean, what do you think, Ryan? You're hired to do this this year. If some some trade proposal, let's say the Cockamamie Raiders trade proposal <laughs> comes in front of Ryan Poles or whatever the case may be, you know where I'm going with this. He goes back to his office and he goes into Kevin Warren's office. I think it's a much different scenario. That is hard to quantify. We'll never know how much that happens, but my suspicion is Kevin Warren isn't signing off on anything that 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 doesn't add up. That doesn't, that, and I don't think he's going to leave any you know, die, uh, any I undotted and T uncrossed. And I think that's the thing that you get, and that's why I believe. Yeah, I, I have more confidence in Ryan Poles now than I did probably a month ago. I, I, I'm I'm way with you on that topic because there's not going to be a lot of shrugging. You know, there's going to be direct questions. There's going to be honest, candid conversation. There's going to be a mutual um, respect in the way those conversations ebb and flow that that makes everything better for the football team. And that's the ultimate goal here. Like, you know, you just brought up something that with 15 weeks until the draft, we can, we can do a cockamamie trade proposal of the week every week here on, on the Take the North I'm, podcast because <laughs> they're coming. You're going to be in charge of that. You'll spearhead it. You'll right. pull it up every week. I'll, and, find, and we'll, I'll find next week's and we will – I guarantee you I'll be able to find one. And every week we'll find a new one that I can brand cockamamie. So this piece of paper I'm showing you now again okay. is um, – full of data for all 32 NFL teams from the last decade. It's 2013 through 2022. There are obviously three games left in the 2022 NFL season to be played. But I went back and looked at every single team in terms of playoff appearances, whether they had a stretch where they made three consecutive playoff appearances, how many playoff wins they have, uh, and then looking at the teams that, that have not had a single playoff victory in the last 10 years. I think you gave the number, right? You said six teams in the last decade. You want to know the class that the Bears are in? They're one of the six. The Lions, the Commanders, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Raiders. That's the company you're keeping. And, and I think, as I said on the radio. The Lions, the we, Dolphins, the Jets are probably all better positioned right now. I think the Bears are in the worst spot than any of those six teams to to get back to the playoffs. And I'll, I'll debate you on the Washington Commanders if you want, but – you can't make the argument to me that the Bears are any closer than than any of those teams. So I went and looked at the teams that met three criteria that had at least five playoff appearances in t- the last 10 years. I think that's a, a measure of relevance that had at least one stretch of three consecutive uh, playoff appearances and had at least four playoff wins. You care to take a, a quick guess on who the four NFC teams that met my criteria of championship relevance were 10 year span 10 year span four nfc teams championship relevance 49ers uh vikings i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it's um no yeah it's it's yeah it's 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 four i'm sorry i got that go ahead 49ers vikings packers saints it is the packers the saints the seahawks and the eagles oh wow okay there are two other teams that were just on the fringe, and it's the Buccaneers and the 49ers. You know, you forget about the Saints, who for years were right in the thick of it, and every January was were playing meaningful football. No question, right? And so, like when you when you when you do think about that, you go, okay, that, that that's the goal, right? It's to be playing in January consistently in a way uh, that 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 you're in that mix, and then, you know, you look. 
you yeah. look at the te- the teams that that ha- you know the Packers they they've had four buys in the last ten years to go along with seven playoff appearances and six playoff wins. You know, so that that's that's a team that has shown you that's what that's what it looks like. They're in your division. That's what relevance looks like. Let's go over to the AFC where there are five teams in the last 10 years that have met those criteria for relevance, uh, including one that's, that's on its way out the door <laughs> next year. Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, uh, boy, Ra- Titans, and I, it's, it's not the Where did Ryan Poles come from? The Chiefs. <laughs> I wasn't going to let you skip over the Chiefs. So it, it's yeah. the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Bills, the Bengals, and the Broncos. So listen oh, to this boy. Real quick, so the Broncos are on their way out the door because it's been a long time. Their stuff is all predicated on a on a previous stretch of of a period. Well, they, no, they're on the fringe. I'm sorry, they're they're one of the, the teams on the fringe. The Steelers and the Ravens are also on the fringe. This this year, believe it or not, people forget about the Andy Dalton years that that existed in Cincinnati where he got them in the playoffs, and now Joe Burrow has has allowed them to win a bunch of playoff games to put them in in, in a, a whole different class here and, and and category. But when you hear those names of those teams, David, it doesn't take like an in depth research project to say oh yeah that makes sense the patriots oh yeah the chiefs oh yeah the the bills oh oh yeah the steelers and the ravens you know the the saints the packers the, the eagles right who are back on championship sunday again with another quarterback taking them there in a span where they've undergone some change but have figured out a way that amidst change how do you create sustainability they've obviously done it under under howie roseman's watch and 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 the things they've done up there those are the teams that's the class that, that ryan poles understands he's trying to join when he talks about sustainability that's what he's looking for the bears last 10 years two playoff appearances no run of of three straight by the way the last run i always bring this up 1988 the last time they were uh they had a stretch of three consecutive winning seasons and zero playoff wins so you're talking about here to here low to high in terms of relevance to sustainability and that's the goal and that's the mountain they're trying to claim and in conclusion, what I think is interesting about all that is that these teams have found different methods to sustain success. And it's not always just finding the quarterback alone. And a Bears repeating when you uh, talk about what the Bears are trying to do in sustaining success, find what works for you. Find what you're good at. Lean into your strengths. Maybe it's becoming the best running team in the league and you want to establish that as your identity. Maybe it's going back to being a defensive-minded football team with takeaways, whatever you were under Lovey Smith. That was an identity. And the Bears were on the verge of something there. And then they fired him after a 10 and 6 season. But I think the Bears were on the verge of maybe their version of sustained success. They had an identity. They leaned into it. There wasn't perfect. And there were flaws in that. And there were weaknesses that emerged. But Whatever it is for Ryan Poles, be yourself. Do it your way. Believe in what you uh, are as a football executive and a football evaluator of talent. And I think those are the kinds of examples that maybe in 10 years you're looking back and saying the Bears are one of those teams if they can do it right and doing it right starts this offseason. Yeah, and it, it, it definitely starts this offseason. And we cannot look back at the 2023 offseason and see a bunch of missteps and say, oh, that, you know, <laughs> they were able to overcome that. They're not going to be able to overcome that. This is the year where you have to plant all those seeds that then need to sprout over the next 10 years. And so you better be ready to have your plan in place to do that. You also talk about uh, the discipline that Ryan Poles is going to need to make sure that, that he's not trying to do this overnight that he understands that the, you know 
let's make as much progress as we can in this offseason, but let's not get reckless with anything we're doing, believing that 2023 is the year where we're going to strike and we're going to hit the, you know, the express lanes to, to the sustained relevance that we talked about. You've got to be patient. You've got to be disciplined. But again, to your point, you have to be confident and you've got to believe in who you are. Now take your swings. You know, batter up. You're going to get a lot of pitches this offseason to, to, to take some hacks at this. This will be to be continued an ongoing conversation. We'll get back to the Bears and front office decisions and cockamamie draft ideas next week. Before we get out of here, Dan, who are you picking in the championship games on championship Sunday? Yeah, I, you know, I just really, really believe in what the 49ers are doing right now in the NFC. Um, I think they're going to be challenged like they haven't been challenged all season, particularly Brock Purdy. Uh, but they're, they're they're playing a brand of football that that looks like it will put them back on Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm putting them up against the Bengals because I'm very, very worried about Patrick Mahomes high ankle sprain, how much he can numb that pain, how effective he can be in a game on that stage. And guess what? Joe Burrow is freaking fearless and he's proven that and on this stage arrowhead nfc championship game nothing new to him right he's done it before he's going to go in there and do it again i would love to disagree with you it would be better for the show perhaps but i don't think i do i am team purdy all the way i love christian mccaffrey we wear the same clothes flag and anthem i love everything about kyle shanahan i'll never wear a flat build cap but i love his offense that is a team I've, I've wanted to be in the Super Bowl all year long. Picked them back in August. I think they get there, but in a close game, Jalen Hurts is going to be fantastic. That's going to be a great game, but I think 49ers. And in the AFC, I do think that Patrick Mahomes, no matter how much he'll project this week that he's fine and he's jogging and he's this and he's that, that's very difficult to convert a six-week injury into a six-day injury. And I think the Bengals – are going to come after him, and he's going to be a compromised quarterback. That gives the edge to the Bengals, who are playing with all kinds of confidence. It starts with Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor may be the most underrated coach of this generation. Um, I don't give him a lot of credit yet, but I think I will if he gets back to the Super Bowl. We can talk about that next week, but I think it will be Bengals 49ers, a replay of what, 1981? Conference Championship Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. And I would love for one year for us to be in a press box covering a Chicago Bears team playing on this very monumental weekend that the NFL has every every January. We'll see if it happens, but this is going to be a fun weekend to watch football. And we'll be back on Tuesday morning talking about the Bears again, looking ahead at what has happened to that point and maybe taking a peek ahead at the calendar next week is also Senior Bowl week. So Luke Getzey will be down in Alabama coaching the all-star team will maybe get some some tidbits and information based off of that whatever the case we are here for you all off season long on the take the north podcast on your free odyssey app on the 670 scores youtube page find us download listen subscribe thanks for joining us today i'll let dan have the last word we'll talk to you next week great talk see you out there